Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone and greetings in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Today we're going to be looking into the book of Jeremiah. And from time to time we just look at a book in the Bible, a passage of scripture, and really just preach this passage or teach it in a way that is not going through the whole book, but an individual passage that we just want to bring to your attention. And today we're going to be focused on Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 15 through 21. And it's really dealing with Jeremiah and the struggles that he's going through and about keeping a godly attitude and that if we ever lose the right attitude, an an attitude of praise and adoration unto God, then everything starts to fall apart. And when we look at the book of Jeremiah, it represents 40 years of ministry from 626 B.C., all the way to 586 B.C., 40 years of ministry, of preaching, speaking to the people of Judah. At this time, the Israel, the northern kingdom, has already been destroyed. He's speaking to the Jewish people, and he's speaking a message of repentance and judgment if the people do not come back to God from the heart that changes their everyday life. And God is saying in the first chapter, I will give you the words that you are to speak. And what I give you, you speak. And Jeremiah is faithful to do that. Something that we need to understand about Jeremiah, through these 40 years of ministry, he was faithful. Faithful to speak what God had given to him, to speak those words, even in times in which brought about persecution at times where everybody was laughing at him, people were against him. There were not many individuals saying, amen, we agree with you. There were a few because there were some contemporaries of Jeremiah. There was Zephaniah. There was Habakkuk, Habakkuk. You also uh, see Nahum during this time. You have Ezekiel and Daniel that are in exile during part of his ministry. So there are others that are speaking the word of God, but most of Jeremiah's life, he feels as if he's all alone and being faithful to God. But at times he begins to blame God or he begins to question God and he begins to question even his own existence. Why was I even born? I wish I was not born. And through these times, God is going to have to speak to him very clearly, very strongly. It's time to change your attitude. And this is what we're going to see in Jeremiah chapter 15. Alan is with me today, and together we're going to preach this. We're going to proclaim what God has said to Jeremiah, and these principles should apply to us today. Every one of us need to have an attitude of thanksgiving and praise unto God in all things. Think about what Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That we are to live a life of thanksgiving and praise unto God at all times, even during the difficult times in our lives. 
Give thanks to the Lord always. So let's read in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verses 15 through 21. Alan, if you don't mind, if you could read these verses. Sure, so we'll start Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 15. You who know, O Lord, remember me, take notice of me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult. Because of your hand upon me I sat alone. For you filled me with indignation. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand, and if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze, and though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. So I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the violent. To me, Alan, this is one of the most powerful passages in the Word of God about keeping your focus of what God's called you to do and not to look at the situation around you, but to be able to see the faithfulness of God right in the midst of all the, the corruption and all the destruction around. In verses 15 through 18, this is Jeremiah's prayer. In verses 19 through 21, this is God's response to Jeremiah's prayer. And it's not going to be a response that we are accustomed to, how we would respond in a way that would have been more sympathetic, more understanding through the difficulties that Jeremiah was going through. Today, we want to run to counselors that are going to comfort us and understand our feelings and our emotions and to be able to build us back up. But God is going to speak to Jeremiah very strongly. And he's going through a rough time in his life. If you go back to verse 10, you see that he says, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention to all the land. Here is an individual that is saying, I wish I was never born. All that I have in my life is strife and contention in all the land. So you could even say that this is a man that maybe even contemplated suicide. We don't know that for a fact, but he's definitely a, a man that's looking back on his life and thinking it might have been better that I was never born. He started his ministry, we believe, around 19 or 20 years of age. In chapter 1, God calls him to be a prophet to the nations. And during that time, he says, but I'm just a youth. That means he did not have any credibility to speak to the nations, much less his own nation. But God said, I will put my words in your mouth and you will speak what I give to you. And again, I say, Jeremiah was faithful to that. Then he makes promises to Jeremiah, and he says that I will make you 
to this people a fortified wall of bronze. And though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you, declares the Lord. What you see in verse 20 is what God stated to Jeremiah in the first chapter. A promise that God's going to be with you. God's going to protect you. That those that come against you will not prevail over you. So if I'm 19 and 20 years of age, I'm thinking, hey, it's already done. God is with me. If God is for me, who can be against me? When Paul writes that in Romans chapter 8, in that same chapter, the same people that he's writing to are being murdered for their faith, some of them. So as a 19 and 20-year-old young man that's going to be a prophet to the nations, understanding God's protection is going to be with him, he probably envisioned this great life that everywhere he went, even if they disagreed with him, God is for him, and he's not going to go through a lot of difficulties. He's not going to go through a lot of trials, but just the opposite is what is taking place in his life. And in this chapter, he says, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me. You see the depression. You see the understanding that this has not been a wonderful life for him. And when we get to his prayer, at the end of his prayer, you're going to see that he starts questioning the faithfulness of God. So let's look at these words of his prayer, verses 15. Verse 15 and 16 and 17 are really reflecting back on his life, kind of uplifting how he has lived his life for God. You who know, O Lord, remember me. Take notice of me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for your sake I endure reproach. So it's as if Jeremiah is reminding God, I'm in this situation because of you. And it's up to you. He's praying, take vengeance for me on my persecutors. He's going through persecution. Verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. I devoured them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Here he is going back to his calling and understanding that God called him and God is using him. And the words that God gave to him that he found, he devoured them. He ate them. And your words became a joy and the delight of my heart. He is rejoicing in the word of God. Now, when you look at the words in which God gave to him, it was a message of repentance and a message of judgment if they do not repent. And when you look at repentance, of how important that is that we live a life of humility before God, that we live a life of a brokenness, a broken spirit, and that we tremble at God's word, that we live a life that consecrates ourselves before God, that is something that we should all devour and understand. Even if we haven't been called to be a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah is saying, I ate your word. It was a joy and a, and a delight to my heart. The word of God is powerful. It changes lives. And it's something that Jeremiah loved within his life. 
And when you look at the prophet Isaiah that precedes Jeremiah by about 55 years, when he dies, 55 years later, Jeremiah starts preaching basically the same message that Isaiah ended with in Isaiah chapter 66. And so he loves the word of God. He devoured the word of God. The word of God is a delight unto his heart. Verse 17, I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult. Because of your hand upon me, I sat alone, for you filled me with indignation. Now, Alan, I don't know if you see this. Verse 18 is going to get to a real critical point in Jeremiah's prayer, but you see the digression of what's taking place here. Yeah, it escalates a lot just to where he's you know, Lord, you've, you've seen me, take notice of me, you know, avenge me. And then he sort of gets into a little bit of this self-loathing. But it feels, to me, it feels it feels very honest, though. And I, I, I'm kind of reminded of David um, in some of his psalms where he was really open, you know, with the Lord. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm persecuted. Enemies are all around me, you know. But, but also, too, David spoke about delighting in God's word. And, yes. you know, God calls David a man after his own heart. So... You know, I see something something powerful about, you know, and yeah, maybe Jeremiah was depressed and this was a little bit of a, a self-pity kind of thing. You know, we're not sure exactly where his mind was, but for him to be open and honest with God that way, you know, I think that's that's powerful in, in, in our lives too. And we can look at that and say, you know, God knows how we're feeling. He knew how Jeremiah was feeling. He knew what he was thinking and, and the fears and the struggle he had, you know, but Jeremiah still felt comfortable and confident enough that he could articulate this to God. And, yeah, as we see later, God doesn't exactly give him the response maybe he was hoping for. Right. But he, he got it out there. And I think, you know, that that's important maybe, you know, for me, I think it's important for me to think about and and, and say sometimes when you are struggling. And, and I think um, in my life, you know, you want to think that you're, you're perfect and you want to walk in joy all the time and you want to, you know, you kind of know you should have that mindset but sometimes you just don't, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, you're thinking and, and your, your head's not in the right place. And, and I think it's good to be able to come to God honestly and say, you know, God, I'm struggling. Why is this happening? What's going on here? I don't feel like, you know, like you're, you're avenging me and, and it's unfair, you know, and, and let me hear from you about it. Yes. You mentioned David. David brings up the hard questions sometimes. And at the end of his Psalms, He's always praising God. He goes through a struggle he doesn't understand, but at the end, he will come back and begin to exalt in his God. And you see that pattern within the Psalms. Um, and you see such a faith in God, but you also an honesty with God about the real situations within their lives. Jeremiah is very honest, but in verse 18 he's going to go too far. And this is something that I, I try to express to people within a Western culture, that we want to express and say whatever is on our mind and what is the feeling within our hearts, and we need to be honest with God. Yes, we want to be honest with God, but with respect. Mm -hmm. And in verse 18, he's going to go too far. And I think we'll see this as we go through the passage. David will talk about things that are going wrong and why God and woe is me and these same types of feelings. 
But by the end of the psalm that he's writing this song of praise unto God, he's praising God, mm -hmm. even when he, he doesn't understand. Jeremiah is not in that position here. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the last statement in verse 17, for you filled me with indignation. Who is he speaking to? Not the persecutors, but he's speaking back to God. Mm -hmm. I loved your word. Your word was a delight unto my heart, and, and your words became a joy and the delight of my heart, and I have been called by your name. And I can see him thinking when I was a young man, I was called by you. You made promises to me. And now you filled me with indignation. All these emotions and feelings that I have within my life and woe is me that I was born. God, they come because of you. Now look at verse 18. Why has my pain been perpetual? That means ongoing, doesn't go away. If anyone needed a psychologist or psychiatrist at this point, it probably was Jeremiah. But praise God, they didn't have them back then because they'll really mess you up sometimes. <laughs> he had this ongoing pain that did not, that did not go away. He got up in the morning with it. He went through the day with it. He went to bed with it. And it was a cycle in his life that never went away as he's praying this prayer. And he was a desperate man. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? And what he's talking about here contextually, my situation is not getting better, it's getting worse. It keeps going on day after day, week after week, month after month, probably year after year. And if you look at the 40 years of his ministry, it was not a glorious time. It was not people repenting of their sins, people crying out to God. There were people that were saying, kill him, and we don't want to have anything to do with him, and we'll cut him off from the land of the living, which means we're not even going to give him a wife so that he can get married and have a family. We want this man gone completely. We want his name erased forever. This is a situation that built over those 40 years. Then he says, will you indeed be to me, speaking to God, like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable. He Basically, this is what I believe that he's saying. And if you're listening, he is speaking honestly, but he is saying, God, I don't know if I can trust you in my life. And so this is a desperate time within his life in which the situations around him have become so great that it is like pain that is perpetual and a wound that is incurable, refusing to be healed. It's not going away. God is not answering his prayers, and he's living in agony. Yeah. And this is a man of God. This is a man that knows the call of God upon his life. This is a man that God spoke to him, I will make you a prophet to the nations, plural. This is a man that God has protected him through all of these situations, but he probably did not see it, envision it in the way that it's unfolding. Yeah. And that's, that's the case with a lot of people that are answering God's call upon their life. They have this incredible moment where they understand that God has called them, 
But they envision it being Billy Graham. They envision it thousands and thousands and millions people people coming to the truth and coming to the gospel and all of these kind of things. But uh, Alan, I know people that ministered for almost their whole life and they look back on their life and say, what was it all about? Where was the success? They, they, they be, have a tendency to look through man's eyes instead of just being faithful to God and seeing things through the eyes of God. Jeremiah was successful in everything that he was doing, yet he could not understand it. Yeah, I think that's powerful, especially in our, our Western culture where it is, where we're judged, we judge ourselves by what man and, and by success in a certain way that, that other you know, people see success. And it's not always the way that God sees success. And I think Jeremiah's life you know, is a testament to that. And you and I have spoken a lot you know, going through Paul's writings um, and some of the other podcasts about how in the natural, when Paul was alive, he really wasn't a success. I mean, in the Christian um, world and in the people in the churches that he, he founded and pastored, he was. But by all outside accounts, you know, if you looked at Paul as a, a non-believer, you'd say, wow, this guy's really not doing too well. You at know? the end of his life, when he's in a dungeon in Rome, read Second Timothy. I mean, it's, it's really depressing to see that almost everybody had deserted him. Yeah. You know, Luke was with him. He, um, Demas, who had traveled with him four to five years, Paul writes, Demas, who loved this world more, has gone back to Thessalonica. Yeah. John Mark was useful to him, and there were some people that were willing to continue to minister alongside uh, him, but they were very few because of the persecution that was going on during the time of Nero. And if to associate with Paul could mean that you were in prison Mm -hmm. and that you could lose your life. And I agree with you fully, Alan. You look at Paul's life, all the conflict. Read 2 Corinthians. All the conflict of what he had to go through, all the persecution, all the concern from the churches and bad doctrine that was coming in that he had to refute and, and had to fight those battles. When you look at that, you would, many people would look at it and say he wasn't successful. Yeah, or, you know, you could take it to another extreme and say, well, he really wasn't following the call of God and he was out of the will of God. Yes. You know, you hear that a lot in the, the Western, you know, church. Oh, you're out of the will of God if, if these things aren't going, you know, the right way or something's, you know, some calamity or something happens in your life. You know, some people think that on the outside or yes. maybe even think that yourself. Um, but I think, you know, looking at this and thinking about especially the time and the day and and age that we're in now um, as more and more, you know, and we're seeing this in America and we talk about it a lot how, you know, the church is really starting to enter into this phase of being persecuted. And if you really stand for Christ and you make it public and you talk about it and you confront things that you, you see are wrong based on the Bible, you know, there really is a cost that you're starting to have to pay where in America we haven't had that for a long time. Um, and now that's coming, and I think this is this chapter here and what God's saying to him, I think this is really important to look at and say, you know what, in, in 2021, 2025, what God's calling you to do probably is not going to be the Billy Graham-type success and, you know, all of these things that, that we think is successful as a, a Christian um, minister, evangelist, or just being called to God. It's probably going to be a heavy price that you have to pay. Yes, 
And when we talk about Billy Graham, the reason why we bring up his name, because people responded to the preaching of the gospel all around the world. Yeah, and he and was millions just, of people said yes to God. Yeah, and he was very, you know, and I think anyone outside of, you know, maybe not today, actually in this present day, but I'd say in the last five years, if you mentioned Billy Graham, there was always a high opinion of him. You know, no one really was like, oh, he was a bad guy. You know, even non-Christians respected him. Right. Where, you know, Jeremiah, that wasn't the case. His, his mm-hmm. own fellow Jews hated him. Yes. And then the outside people hated him. His so. own village, his own father and brothers. His own family, yeah, that's right. Uh, so He was a disgrace to them. He brought shame to them. They even wanted to plot to kill him with his own village. So when you look at this, this is a man that has some self-esteem issues at this point. And God is going to speak to him in such a clear way. But let me make this statement. I heard all my life, if we do all of this effort and give all of this money and we work for this endeavor to do something for God, and if one person comes to know Christ, it was all worth it. All of us have heard that statement. But you need to go a little bit further with that statement. If we do everything and we put forth a great effort and we work hard to do something for God's glory and we're doing it for his glory and not anyone comes to Christ, it's worth it. Because what is important is faithfulness to God, not the results. One man plants, another man waters. It is God that brings the increase. Whether we're planting or watering, it is all in God's hands. So for 40 years, I'm sure there were a few people that listened to Jeremiah. We don't see many examples of that. However, it was all about being faithful to God. And for you and I, it's about faithfulness to God. It's not about the results because the results are in God's hands anyway. You may plant and I may come about and water something that you planted a seed of God's word in someone's heart. But it's God that opens the heart and it's God that brings the increase. So whether you're planting or you're watering, it is all God's doing. It's all for God's glory. It's about being faithful unto God. And this is what God's going to remind him. And he's at a very low point within his life to the point he's questioning the faithfulness of God. He's, he really doesn't even want to be alive if you look back to verse 10. And God's going to answer him in verse 19. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. This is God speaking directly to him. If you return, then I will restore you. You see, for him to return, he's preaching a message of repentance to the Jewish people. Yet God is saying to him, if you re- will return... Where? Return back to me. His attitude and his self-worth and all of these things had gotten so low, he had actually turned away from God in the sense that he couldn't be used by God. We're going to see in God's uh, answer to him. But he is saying, if you will return, then I will restore you. If you will just turn around, Jeremiah, quit looking at the situation, quit having your pity party, Turn around and put your eyes back on to me. I will bring restoration within your life. And I don't think, Alan, that's talking about restoration of making all the problems go away. I think it's about a restoration of his understanding of his calling and his life and 
and keep going down the road that God has placed him upon. Yeah. If you return, then I will restore you. I keep thinking about what you said, you know, earlier when you started about how Jeremiah was faithful during his ministry. And he's in the center of God's will going through all of this stuff. And yes. it's not a great life for him in the natural. It's not a, he's not having any blessings as we would quote unquote blessed, blessed life. You know, but he is in the center of God's will and he is doing what God has called him to do. He's still going through this difficulty. He's still struggling with these things. But he's still, you know, he's in God's will through that. He said at the end when he starts questioning, you know, indeed, like a deceptive stream, you know, I can't count on you. I can't count on you to replenish me. And, you know, are you really, if you put this on me, I can't count on you to take it out of me. That he's saying, I don't trust you. And he's really battling, and his life isn't pretty. But he's in the center of God's will, and I think that's important. And I'm thinking about that now, how sometimes... I have my own visions about where my life should go or things that I should be doing or or places I should be or where I should be at a certain age in my life. But, you know, you really got to give that to God and say, you know, God, you got I want to be where you want me to be in the center of your will. And while I'm there, I want to keep the right attitude, too. And I think that's the challenge. I forget how you say it, but you hear sometimes it's about the journey and not always, you know, the final destination where you're at. It's about how you get there and and what your attitude is while you're getting there. And and you see Jeremiah right now kind of getting off course, not not in his ministry, but in his attitude while he's in God's will. And the process can build you up or it can break you down depending on your attitude and your focus in your life. He says, before me, you will stand. That's something that we all have to remember as every believer, that we're living a life in a way that we're going to stand before God someday, not before men. Jeremiah is not going to stand before the nation of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, all the Israelites that fled down into Judah. He's not going to stand and give an account of his life before them. He will stand before God. And there's only one thing that is important in life is that we're following him and that we're doing what we need to do. And you put it right in the right context that we're in the center of God's will, following what God wants us to do within our lives. Jeremiah says, God, you are the potter. I am the clay. We are the clay. God speaks that to Jeremiah. So we need to position ourselves in a way, God, use me. My life belongs to you because before God, we will stand. Not before anybody else. We will stand before God. So this is a tough statement, a true statement that God is making back to Jeremiah. The next one is one of my favorite expressions that God ever speaks to anyone in the Bible. He says, and if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. And people debate what that means, but for me it's very clear. When you extract your digging and you're pulling the worthless things out of the picture in order to get to the precious that you're trying to find. Jeremiah, in a contextual understanding, has all the worthless all around him. And all the situations and everything that he's crying out, woe is me that I was born. And what God is saying, if you can extract the the precious, the precious things in life from the worthless, then you can be my spokesman. 
And what I think he is saying to Jeremiah, and I think it's very clear, is that if you can see the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and all the junk that is around you and all the persecution and all of the things that are happening within your life, if you can extract the precious from the worthless, then I can use you, Jeremiah. You got to get your attitude right. You have to give thanks unto me. You have to see that right in the midst of a hole in the ground that I am faithful in your life, that I am with you and my promises are true within your life. It might not have been what you envisioned it would be, but through this, your faith is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And Jeremiah, I'm with you. You've got to understand the precious things of God in the midst of the worthless things of men. And so to me, it speaks to me about our attitude, our focus, about giving thanks to God, even in terrible times of extracting the precious things of God in the midst of persecution and trial and tribulation to see that God is a faithful God and God is faithful. And he says to him, if you will do this, you will become my spokesman. They for their part may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. And we don't know exactly what that means, except that they may turn to you to fight against you, but you don't fight against them because vengeance belongs to God. Or it may mean that they may turn and be deceptive to you and try to turn to you in the sense of being your friend, but you do not turn back to them. You don't embrace that. We don't know exactly, but one thing I think comes out of this He needs to be 100% completely dependent upon God in his life. Verse 20, he's restating the promises that he made to him as a young man. Then I will make you to this people, the Jewish people, a fortified wall of bronze. And though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you, declares the Lord. So I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the violent. It's not the response he probably wanted to hear, but it's the response he needed to hear. It was truth. Get your attitude right. Get your focus right. Return back to me, and I will restore you. Put your focus back on me, because you'll stand before me. And if you can extract the precious from the worthless, Jeremiah, then you can be my spokesman. And then he restates the promises he made for him as a young man. And God is a faithful God. Remember the end of his prayer. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust your word anymore. But God is saying to Jeremiah, you can trust me. I am with you. Today, if you're listening You can trust God. God is faithful, and that is his character. And not anything in your life will happen unless God allows it to happen. You belong to him, and God knows what he is doing. And there's a bigger picture and a bigger plan that's going on for God's plan of salvation for this world than it is about my individual situation. In the West, we're all about the individual And uh, we were built in America on individual ruggedism. 
And so we're built in everything's about me, but no, there's a bigger picture. It is about the gospel. It is about the kingdom, how I fit into that. God's going to use me, but he may allow something to take place in my life I don't understand. But if I can extract the precious from the worthless, God can use me and understand at all times God is faithful. Amen. Now I want to go to, I'm going to close with this. We're at uh, almost 40 minutes here. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 3. And I want to read for you some of the most incredible words in the Bible about the faithfulness of God. And this is at the end of his life as Jerusalem and Judea is being destroyed by the Babylonians. And he's crying out to God about what has taken place. Now, one sense of it, everything that he preached for 40 years is coming true. And to this day, everybody recognizes Jeremiah as a true prophet of God. Here I am 2,586 years plus later preaching the message of Jeremiah. He was a prophet to the nations. But there must have been this weeping about the destruction of Jerusalem and Judea that he did not want to see take place. And in the midst of this, he's going to write some of the most powerful words about the faithfulness of God at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry. And think about this, Alan. They're going to take him and kidnapping the Jewish people, a large group that goes into Egypt against his will and to take him into Egypt. But as the city is burning, as Judah is being destroyed, as Jerusalem is being destroyed, as the temple is being destroyed that was built by Solomon, he writes these words. Remember my affliction and my wondering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Verse 21 of Lamentations chapter 3. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are anew every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in God, in him. Amen. Isn't that incredible? It is. How he got his attitude right. Yeah. How he learned to extract the precious from the worthless and see God's hand upon his life. And God use him for his glory and to see the faithfulness of God. When you take a guy after 40 years of ministry that's gone through what he's gone through, he understands the faithfulness of God. Some of these prosperity teachers that preach their, everything is about wealth and health and success, they don't know the faithfulness of God like Jeremiah knew. They lived in nice homes. They lived in mansions. They drove Cadillacs. They had their private jets to fly to their meetings. They lived in a, in a subculture of a false world that was not anything like Jeremiah. Jeremiah knew the faithfulness of God. He learned it in a everyday walk with God, a trust with God, an unconditional faith in God. And this is a man that could speak those words. Those men just speak a lot of nonsense sometimes. But Jeremiah could say the steadfast love of the Lord 
never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God, great is thy faithfulness. And let's close in prayer with that. Alan, could you close us in prayer? Dear Lord, thank you, God, that you are a faithful God, that we can trust you, Lord, that your word never fails, God, that you are true to your promises and that you keep and protect your people, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just take this message, Lord, that you spoke through your prophet Jeremiah, God, and touch people, Lord. Bless people's lives, God. Let your word go forth, God. Nothing Scott or myself have said, Lord, um, but only your word, Lord, go forth. Bless your people. Minister to your people, Lord, during these times, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, God, for everything good in our life and everything that we go through, Lord. We will continue to trust you. We will continue to praise you, and we will continue to bless you, God, and we trust you, Lord, to check our attitudes, Lord, when they are wrong, Lord, and let us know, God, that we can trust you and you are faithful, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.